WNRI's Upfront. The opinions expressed represent those only of the panel and callers and do not reflect the views of WNRI and its owners. Telephone lines are now open at 7690600. And now, let's join the Upfront panel. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another Upfront program. It's our Tuesday program, 31st of May, 2022. And uh, I'm Roger. And today, uh, we asked um, the public safety director, indirectly we asked him, uh, Eugene Gillette, to uh, join us. He'll uh, chat with us about uh, police and fire and public safety in general. In a few moments, I asked uh, Jeff if he was available. He wasn't available much last week as he was preparing on Memorial Day programming, which ran so nicely yesterday. Thank you again, Jeff, for that. And thank you for joining us here on the program. Would you like to introduce yourself to Mr. Gillette, or do you know him? Hello, Mr. Gillette. Did he ever arrest you? um, No. Oh, that's good. (laughs) No, he wasn't. He wasn't the one. All right. right. But they would come by and look at me. Uh Oh, that's the guy. All right. That's what he looks like. Thank you uh, for being with us uh, today. You're welcome. I I asked uh, the mayor um, when she was here the last time uh, if uh, we could uh, arrange uh, somebody from public safety. Uh, You would be the ideal person since since, um, the public safety director, as I understand it, is responsible for both uh, the uh, police and fire department. Any other responsibilities uh, besides that, or is that enough? No, that's enough. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so a little bit about... um, the public uh, safety director, because over the years there have been different public safety directors, um, some uh, not from the law enforcement background, some from. So uh, tell us a little bit about uh, why uh, you would probably make a pretty good public safety director. Well, first of all, I, uh, I grew up in the city of Winsocket. I graduated high school in 1984. This is my bio, so here we go. Yeah, that's uh, okay. And uh, I joined the police department back in 1990. I uh, kind of moved up through the ranks, and I I actually did a lot of uh, certain uh, jobs in uh, different detectives and and traffic division and internal affairs, uh, the drug squad, and uh, regular detectives. So I got a good variety of uh, a lot of different things in the department. Um, in 2012, I was a detective lieutenant in... Uh, in the detective division, and that I overlooked the whole de- detective division, um, and I, I decided to leave the department. And probably um, it was it, it, it turned out good, but it probably not for the right reasons. And uh, I did leave, but in 2013, I was offered the position of public safety director. Um, it is a part-time job with full-time responsibilities. I'll tell you that. Um, but I also have a, a, a different job in the Mass Department of Corrections as a uh, uh, just got promoted to Deputy Chief of Investigations for the Department of Corrections. So uh, I'm busy. Um, I definitely uh, have good good relationship with uh, both both jobs to uh, be able to have have time off to do what I need to do here in the, in the city of Winsocket. So um, with that said, that's probably um, my bio in a nutshell. And generally speaking, uh, what's the population of public safety department between uh, police officers and firefighters and civilian workers? Uh, how, how big of a, of a department is it? Well, we have 100 police officers. Well, we should have 100 police officers. And we should have 110 fire, fire uh, personnel. And civilians, probably around, I'd be guessing we have 16 dispatches and probably a little five or six support staff in each of the divisions. All right. So a couple of hundred people, uh, well over a couple of hundred people to uh, look after. Mm-hmm. Is there a big turnover uh, in public safety uh, these days? Yeah, uh, there is. Uh, you know, the market is so good right now, we're losing people to the private sector, um, and which was never never a trend way back when I started because, you know, we do have, you know, a decent pension system leaving and, um but that's not the drawer anymore, and I think there's a lot of uh, competition out there. Uh, there's a lot of open jobs, too. And uh, so we have a difficult time to uh, retain and, and keep our offices, but uh, we're doing the best we can. Now, Jeff will be joining us in one second, but I want to explain why this program is happening. So um, I was going over the Woonsocket City Council docket um, 
um, I guess uh, for one of the April, uh, excuse me, for one of the May meetings. And uh, do you do this um, quarterly, uh, offer a report to the council, or is it uh, annual? It's monthly. It's monthly, every month. All right. Right. So I came across it, and I was looking at all these different stats and so forth, and I said, um, well, when the council gets to that part of the docket, I'm sure they'll uh, ask about uh, certain things. And, well, they, they simply accepted the report and mm-hmm. and um, and put it on file. And I asked the mayor, I said, you know what, there's a lot of interesting stuff in here. And I'd like to um, maybe go over it. Um, and she said, I'll, uh, I'll see what I can do. And thank you for being here on the program. You're welcome. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning. Uh I'm trying to trying to remember how to address the man to my left here. I've addressed him Gino's so many slide. ways. Gino, um, the the curiosity I have is just before we get into the numbers and the type of things you deal with is how much daily interaction or is it daily weekly that you have with the various departments? Are you briefed each day? So if there's a fire last night, you get a briefing. If arrests were made overnight, you get a briefing. How much day to day interaction do you have with with both of those departments? Yeah, uh, every day at uh, probably about four thirty, five o'clock, I wake up and I I, I receive a, uh, a nightly report um, for each shift, and uh, I read that. I keep I keep abreast of uh, what's going on, what just happened overnight, um, and then we get our four o'clock report. Each shift leaves a report, so I I, I do keep in touch that way, um, and then there's a lot of my job is uh, is administrative, as you as you might see. Uh, staffing is, uh, is is an issue, uh, not an issue, but one of my responsibilities, uh, if it's discipline, if it's uh, what have you. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes things that go on um, in, in recruitment. Um, I try to get out there uh, to public events and, uh, you know, make myself seen. You know, we have our fire chief and police chief who are very active in the department, and they keep me uh, really in tune to what's going on in the city. Um, Daily calls with them, uh, daily calls. I mean, um, you know, we had the fire on Logie Street, and, you know, sometimes it just, just might be a text. Hey, we knocked everything down. We're good to go. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's daily activity. Interesting. So let's uh, begin with uh, some of it. Uh, in the report, um, it was uh, reported um, that uh, there were 4,100 calls, 585 incidents, 158 arrests, 93 crashes, uh, 145 detective cases, and 26 warrants. And I guess so. So, what is what's a call that isn't uh, major? Is is it a call of uh, uh, somebody that calls in, or or is just uh, driving behind a building uh, a call? It's um, a good question. So, uh, like if we have a VIN check, that's that's considered a call. Um, sometimes we're, we. We have issues in uh, certain parks or certain areas, like we had the graffiti. So we logged some checks in those areas, so that could be considered a call also, um, a, a daily log of, of, that, of that area. So it, it's a vast majority of, of you know, calls from the general public to uh, our routine kind of building checks and area checks. So the difference between a call and an incident is what? An incident would would uh, be a report. So if we went behind a building and we didn't see anything, that would be uh, what we call ten eight. Uh, nothing found. Nothing. Nothing to be done. A call for a barking dog in the neighborhood, and we have contact with somebody that would require a report. So that is something written that would be an incident. Then yes. And then uh, 158 arrests in the month of April. First of all, is that um, kind of standard uh, number of arrests? And what kind of people are getting arrested? Yeah, it's pretty standard. Uh, that's that's the activity we have in the city. Um, shoplifting, domestics are probably one of our biggest problems um, that we make arrests. And we're authorized to make arrests if, if there's a primary aggressor. We can determine who primary aggressor is. Um, drug-related offenses are, are high in that, in that area. Um, Let's talk about domestic for a second. Um, so, a police officer, and most of them that I encounter, are young. They're very young. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I know they, a lot of them have college degrees now, and they go through the academy and so forth. Do you actually pull officers uh, away and do uh, training for, let's say, domestic uh, abuse? How do, or do they just get their experience by 
going to a domestic abuse call or both? Training, training, training. That's all I can say. These these people are training all the time. Uh, we have uh, a yearly um, requirement. I think it's might be 40 hours of uh, domestic training. That might have been, it might be less now, but um, then also we have uh, de-escalation training. We have mental health training, uh, how to deal with mental health issues. There's um, a vast majority of training they have. It's not just from uh, experience. But the, the academy does a good job with that, and uh, you know we also have a domestic advocate they can bump things off of if, if there's some issues, an ongoing problem with one family. When you are... Um Dealing with the officers in your role, I can imagine it being a big, because you talk about seeking advice. Well, here you have a career officer who is available. It's a big benefit in your position, especially with tricky cases. They say domestics are some of the most difficult responses to make because you just don't know what you're walking into. But so many cases you don't know walking into. But having your background as a police officer, does that help guide some of these young officers? Yeah, I mean... It does, uh, but my daily interaction with them, probably we wouldn't be discussing a domestic assault case because we do have uh, some very seasoned officers there that handle these cases quite often. Uh, we have a field training program that kind of answers those questions. Um, but if there's something uh, something that would raise um, some an issue in, in, in the department, I'm trying to think of a, a, some type of uh, example, but... You know, we discuss. I would discuss with the chief, so we would have a discussion. We, you know, we'll bounce it off, and he has you know thirty years more, the, way, way more experience. The, the national line on domestic cases, <laughs> drug abuse cases, alcohol abuse cases is that over the past two years a big spike during the pandemic? Did you see that trend here in one socket over the past two years and entering into this year? The pandemic increasing those numbers? Oh, definitely, yeah, it definitely uh, increased that, and I. I I don't know the reason, you know, and I, I often listen to or just look at news events with other chiefs talking about in other regions. And, you know, uh, Hugh Clement in Providence, you know, I listen to him. He has a good, good idea of, uh, you know, what's going on in a bigger city. But, um, you know, so, yeah, it definitely and I guess we don't really know what the reason is other than we had a pandemic. So um, until we figure that out, um, you know, I, I don't know. If you're just joining us, the voice is Eugene Gillette. He's the public safety director, City of Woonsocket. And we're uh, talking with him about uh, the police department in this segment of the program. We'll talk about the fire department. Looking at some of the stats in that report, um, for instance, uh, let's uh, talk about moving vehicles. Uh, motor vehicle stops, uh, 288 parking violations, 257. I guess what I'm generally talking about is is how much of Woonsocket Police Department work have to do with uh, traffic control, like the parking uh, tickets or, uh, or um, a speed stop, as opposed to, uh, shall we say, um, uh, crime? So, um, you know, as a beat officer, you're patrolling your beat, uh, trying to make contact with people. Uh, not generally waiting for calls, but, you know, they take priority. So um, we encourage our officers to also take a proactive stance in um, traffic uh, issues, especially uh, parking was a big issue. In, it's a big issue in the city. And, uh, you know, we, we took on an initiative to, uh, you know, just educate our officers how to find uh, unregistered vehicles with the little stickers and that that don't uh, that, that show that there might be unregistered or what have you um, and then as far as speeding you know we might just pocket you know sometimes people drive by and they see an officer kind of at a fixed post um, fixed post is patrolling uh, fixed post is you know a lot of people think they're playing around or whatever and but a fixed post as you know you drive by a police car parked on the street he might not even be doing radar but he's probably preventing people from speeding uh, you know we all have driven our personal vehicles and we see the lights flashing and I'm fine with that if they're going to slow down for that particular reason but it is a big part of our, our uh, you know we do get a lot of calls I get a lot of calls on four way stops and you know how can we you know speed bumps and what have you and really it's just kind of hardcore enforcement that's that's what I was thinking of uh, Privilege Street uh, as an example um, I, when I go to work uh, in the morning I often see a police officer and uh, is that Menard? Uh, Menard Field. Menard Field. Um, and, and I know he's there. 
or, or she's there, um, and not every day, but it makes me think about it. So just the presence of a pattern, mm-hmm. uh, you know, controls speed. Just the presence of a vehicle seen control, controls things. So uh, I understand what you were saying by you can just be uh, sitting there with a, with, a poli- with a police car, and it's a deterrent in itself. Right. Oh, I see it uh, not only in patrol cars, but uh, in, in the Burning Heights area where I am. It's not the fashionable North End, but it's still a nice neighborhood. Yeah, it's ni- nice. It's a nice neighborhood. You know, for uh, what it is. Besides police officers in the area of uh, ball fields or schools or even on Jilson Avenue. I live on a dead-end road, but you'd be surprised. <laughs> People can run on it. Uh, the uh, devices telling us how fast we're going with a flashing light if you're going too fast. Now, those aren't the camera systems, by the way, folks. But uh, I can see people with brake lights whenever they're passing those little devices. Those make a big impact. Right. Not only that, they also uh, record the vehicles going by. They're, it's a very smart machine, as we <laughs> like to say. So we can get a good reading of, like, what do we want to really focus our, our, our patrol cars in that area is it one every four hours is it so we, we can really get a good traffic pattern in that so uh it's very good tool in that also it's inevitable that this question would come up uh there are two kinds of cameras out there there's the surveil what i call the surveillance cameras that um uh that company uh, i forget the name flock. of flock flock uh has let the city of Woonsocket use, and and I wanted to get the status on where we are in terms of of um, of using them. And then there's the speed cameras um, that some communities use. So I'll begin with the speed cameras first of all, uh, uh, detecting uh, cars, and then automatically sending a ticket. Um, get your opinion about how you feel about that, um, and uh, then uh, we'll go into the surveillance uh, flock uh, camera system and see where we are as uh, installing that permanently. You're yeah. on. Well, uh, you know, my opinion with the speed cameras, and I guess my opinion matters, but I like them. Um, but I guess there's a, there are a lot of cons to it. Uh, even when we try to uh, install the flock camera, which kind of just records data that we want to input, um, was people thought it was very evasive. And uh, so we had a lot of trouble just instituting the uh, flock camera system, which more of a, like you said, is a s- surveillance system where we... Um, if we're looking for a car who um, has a wanted driver, the registered owner's a wanted person, we can input that information. It would give us a, a hit, and we'd find out he's on North Main Street or she's on North Main Street. We could pull it over. Or if it's a stolen vehicle and sent it into uh, uh, the uh, database uh, handled by the FBI, National Crime um, I'm going to mess that up, but it's 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 a, uh, a database which holds all the uh, information for any wanted and stolen vehicles. Um, so that that in itself was was tough to implement. So um, and, you know the cons. You know, and I, I think I said this on Larry's show on Saturday was you know I had a colleague who had wasn't even in the state where he received a ticket and he was on the phone in one of those props dial nine if this this dial two if you want that. For an hour, and he says, "I'm not. I wasn't even in that state, and I, I received a uh, speeding ticket." So, um, you know, that's that's one of the cons. So, I guess we have to, as a community, have to weigh the pros and cons on that, and uh, you know, definitely um, look into it more. It's incredible uh, machinery doing this task. And you talk about okay, a person's wanted. He drives by the the device. He gets triggered. How fast is this churning that data where you can say, okay, he's on North Main Street and react to get there while he's still in the area? It's going to be incredible digestion of data. Yeah, it pops up uh, pretty immediate in the picture. Um, you know, the, having police officers out on different beats, they can kind of figure out, they use reasoning, reasonable deduction that, you know, that vehicle, if it's going down North Main and it's five minutes away, it could be could be in Blackstone, but it could be also on Privilege Street. So, yeah, it's um, it works. It definitely works. I mean, these guys find the cars, and then, they, then they'll park, uh, you know, on a side street or whatever, unbeknownst to them, and then they pull up on them, and uh, they might surveil that vehicle for a little bit until the operator gets back in. Wow. We'll be, we'll be back with more of the program. We have some callers. I have a whole bunch of questions. And... Um, so we'll be here until noontime today with, uh, <laughs> no, you can't. As long as you provide lunch. <laughs> Back in a moment.
Scott McGee from the Stearns McGee team is ready. Whether you're buying or selling a home or just curious about the local market conditions, Scott would love to offer his services to you. He knows the local community, both as an agent and a neighbor, and can help you guide through the nuances of the current real estate market. So let Scott work hard for you. Your real estate experience will be memorable and enjoyable. You can reach him directly at 401-639-2906. All right, the Honey Shop is open today, and the Honey Shop is a home of all kinds of uh, of honey, of course, and all kinds of products. But one of the things that the Honey Shop has expanded into, and we've been promoting uh, about, are uh, their uh, workshop activities. Um, for instance, uh, we have uh, beer making, uh, India Pale Ale on the uh, uh, part one is on the 5th of June, and then part two is on the... Second, uh, the 12th of June, we have the foraging excursions, uh, going out in the woods and looking for the mushrooms and looking for some of the plants that you would sometimes step on. They're edible. Foraging adventures. Uh, they've got a couple of classes coming up on um, June 11th and, and also on June 18th. Uh, also in the month of June, making ice cream Uh, And also making ice cream sundaes. They'll show you how to do it. How to make your own ice cream at home. Some of the June classes. Coming up in July, wood burning. And also um, making uh, raspberry salsa and wine making and lots of other classes. At the Honey Shop, 1300 Park Avenue, Woonsocket. Yesterday, the holiday, instead of uh, cooking out, we went to Grumpy's. They were open uh, on the holiday. And they, of course... uh, had a very nice uh, turnout of uh, customers. And if you're looking for a place to dine tonight, may I recommend Grumpy's of South Bellingham. Had a nice talk with uh, Brian uh, Lahousse, uh, who operates uh, Grumpy's in Bellingham. And this is the uh, night, uh, Monday through Thursday, where they offer the $10 dinner specials beginning at uh, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And then they have a nice luncheon menu. And if you like fried clams but you don't want to pay... Uh, $24 or $19 or even one place I saw $32 for a clam plate. You can go in to Grumpy's for noontime and have their luncheon fried clam plate, which I did a couple of weeks back. It's $14.99. There are enough fried clams in that plate along with the uh, coleslaw and the french fries to uh, make you say, I had a fried clam plate. And it's only fourteen ninety nine if you love fried clams. And this is the fried clam season. Grumpy's of South Bellingham. Open today at noontime with the five ninety nine luncheon menu. All right, looking at the commercial uh, scale here, we got one more ad. And then we'll be back to uh, the public safety director, Mr. Gillette. At the CPA firm of Kayer Kasha, we believe in the value of relationships. We view every client relationship like a partnership and truly believe that our success is a result of your success. We're committed to providing close personal attention to our clients. We take pride in giving you the assurance that the personal assistance you receive comes from years of advanced training and technical experience. Dedicated and trusted for over 30 years. For Kayer Kasha, certified public accountants with offices in Warwick at 732-8900 and one socket at 766-8100. Listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. All right, we have a couple of callers. Uh, just a note to our callers, we are nowhere, nowhere through the uh, uh, questions and statistics that I wanted to go over with uh, Mr. Gillette. So, uh, we are going to take the calls, but please keep your question very, very quick so we can move on because we, even, we haven't even covered uh, the other end of public safety, fire and rescue. So uh, let's go to the first call. Uh, your question, please. Go ahead. Uh, Hello? Yes, your question quickly. We're, uh, yeah, I got statements number one about road cameras and number two about police in the school, which apparently our governor's calling for. All right. On the road, on the road cameras, right, I'm all for those flashing signs that tell you you're speeding, but I myself have got a charge for a using a highway up in Mass that I know it wasn't on, and you look at the picture, and it's a white car, and I drive a red Jeep. Yeah, that's happened a bunch of times. Yes, we understand that. And he just addressed that. Yeah, go ahead. It's got to be addressed, and I, I don't like the government spying on me everywhere I want to go. I'm mm-hmm. against 
that. Yeah, yeah. I'm all for the little signs flashing because sometimes when you go down a hill, you don't realize you pay up speed. Sure. The American people being a good citizens, they, mm-hmm. uh, that little reminder is enough. All right, I'm going to use your uh, your comments uh, to uh, throw a whole bunch of questions in. Uh, those little flashing lights, you ins- I, I not you, but uh, what one was installed on Harris Avenue uh, after, after that. Uh, Actually, that. it was before the. It accident. was before that. I didn't. Yeah, know. I'm pretty I, sure. Yeah. yeah pretty well, anyway, point is that there's some stop signs, and on the other hand, there's some stop signs with a little flash on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess that's at troublesome intersections, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just a little initiative we started to. You know, yeah. I see them all over the place, and, and, and you know, the director. Dagestan said, hey, can we put some up? I said, yeah, let's go. And then the issue that he brought up, uh, yeah, there's a, the, the, the country's divided. Some people do not like uh, surveillance cameras. Uh, uh, I find them very, very helpful. I don't mind them. I don't feel privacy issue. The other hand, slice it right down the middle. Yeah. They go crazy saying, I don't, you know, they see one of them and they go nuts. As far as school surveillance is concerned, it's uh, a week uh, that the tragedy has happened. Has yeah. anybody uh, reached out to you within uh, local government and said, uh, let's have some more police protection or do you already have it in place? We have four uh, school resource officers uh, as we speak, so uh, we're already on top of it. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to the other uh, question. Your question, please. Yeah, good morning. So, uh, you know, I know we already addressed it, but yeah, that that ticket thing, uh, my mother gets hit every three, she gets hit four times a year now in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Paul has to spend an hour and a half on the phone. So I think it's a DMV issue. I don't, I don't blame the police. I think it's a DMV issue. They're, they're reusing, from, my, from what I understand, they're repurposing license plate numbers. So, but what I do want to say is, yeah, the surveillance state, I am not, I am not in favor of that. And mm-hmm. I, again, we, we always hear the same thing. It's about public safety. So it's, everything's about public safety. Whenever a, a bad idea gets jammed through, well, we're just, we're just trying to make the streets safer, guys. You can't, you can't disagree with that, right? But no, I mean, we all know it's coming. Mr. Gillette, you know it's coming. Roger, you know it's coming. It's going to be drones with facial recognition. That's what it's going to be. We're going to have drones flying around with sockets, mm-hmm. and they're going, to, they're going to use either eye or facial recognition, and then it's going to alert, oh, we've got this FBI wanted fugitive. Right, it's, and it's going to be a problem. It'll be a problem for you, and not a problem for somebody else. Uh, if that does happen, well, Appreci- well, Roger, do you, you want to see drones flying around? Like, I mean, do you want to see? Like, you want a 1984 situation? Right. I mean, uh, they're already flying around. They don't bother me. They're everywhere. Well, I was in uh, well, Dodge City, Kansas, uh, and uh, the police department uses drones everywhere to uh, help them do the job, and uh, nobody and was protesting. You know. Right, and that's not, it's not normal. That, mm-hmm. That's that's just, again, that's like 1984. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I just don't, that's not a world I want to live in. I'm right. sorry. I mean, Roger, yeah, I, I'm sure you're innocent, and I'm sure you have nothing to worry about, but it's just very, very, very creepy to All have right. government people. We pr- appreciate that. That's not the reason I asked the public safety director to join us today, so therefore um, we'll move on, sir. Awesome. All right, All right. now the next question has to do with... Um, Offenses reported to the police. What's the difference between, and you have the category here, mm-hmm. aggravated assault and simple assault? Aggravated assault would be um, where there's substantial injury, um, and simple assault would be, I can just explain, just punch in the face. Me? Push, yeah, mm-hmm. punch in the face without substantial injury. 209 in the month of April for simple assault, 54 for aggravated assault. Uh, do seniors like myself get attacked, or, or do people say, he's a senior, I'm leaving him alone? Yeah, that senior age is like 60, I believe, so anybody over 60. Uh, so, yeah, we do get a lot, a lot of that. How do you handle homeless people in Woonsocket? Uh, do you have a, a policy, or uh, do you, you just drive by? Uh, I, I w- was in Chicago uh, over the weekend, uh, homeless people all over the place, Dodge City, not one. There's going to be a difference. What do we do here? Yeah, um, we work hard to uh, find them places to go, um, and uh, we do a very good job with that. And I, I think the biggest thing is the, the beat officer, uh, just kind of in- interacting with that person. We just had an incident the other day. It didn't turn out that well, but, um, you know, they're interviewing this guy, and then a bolo comes out. He's wanted for shoplifting. So, but. Um, having that interaction and, uh, you know, a lot of these people, you know, they say homeless is, um, my, my experience, a lot of it's substance abuse and mental health, health issues. That's that's the biggest problem. And I, I think, you know, because there are a lot of jobs out there. So, um, and I know there's working poor and I understand that. 
but uh, you know we need to um, have them a location they can go and uh, get recovery and get recovery not uh, it's, it's, that's a big word there get recovery not enable the use but it helped them move on in life which is, is the big key there uh, do you ever have any situations where I know in the old days homeless or, or street walkers uh, would be a great valuable tool to authorities as as uh, tips uh, for what's happening on the streets uh, are they still uh, providing you know, that type of information as far as you know what's hot on the street so to speak yeah not to knock every homeless person or you know and that's not even i'm not even going there it's just yeah they they're they're a great people <laughs> you know that we deal with and they they want to help themselves they want to help the people that they're they're staying with and they they provide the police information if there's any wrongdoing definitely um and i would say in this city it's more than probably the majority of them i like that it's just that that small percentage that really creates the problems and they're, they're, they they just you know we're at wit's end sometimes and uh we'll, we'll charge them with uh public drunkenness and they go to court in hopes that you know it's not to incarcerate them or anything that in hopes that the court orders some um some 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 help some treatment yeah treatment just looking at the list uh, that was provided not i'm going to ask you about each one but police have to deal with shoplifting theft from a building theft from a motor vehicle theft of motor vehicle parts um and I guess, um, you know, people are trying to steal some of the valuable parts of cars um, uh, and trucks. Uh, there's a lot of that out there, huh? Yeah, those Cadillac converters are, are really having, we have a problem keeping that uh, in bay. And you, we have our detective division receiving information on, on that um, almost on a daily basis on who's selling it, who's who, who's out there grabbing it. And we have a lot of people that come in from out different different jurisdictions so it's uh it's a regional and state problem so and we work together uh, in conjunction with that but yeah that's 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 our biggest problem in that in that area and mr public safety director how are you going to deal with the conversion december 1st or thereabouts of uh of the new marijuana law uh, and how do you distinguish what kind of drug violations or narcotics violations uh you're going to uh, to center on. Uh, are you going to have special training on the police officers saying don't don't deal with that anymore? Well, just before it passed, the chief and I had a conversation, and uh, both of us he said it's a big headache. So it, it's it's just going to provide. Uh, it, we're going to have to do a lot more work, but you know it's an ounce or under, I believe. Um, that is that is legal. So, yeah, you know, and then then the locations where people can smoke. And you know, I I, I was at a uh, a business in Massachusetts uh, on well, over the weekend, and you know, they had they had a sign there: no vaping, no smoking, no smoking marijuana. I, it was like I can't believe that they have a sign out there: no smoking marijuana outside. It's 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 oh, I mean, the businesses, everyone's going to have to um, really deal with this. One of the stories that broke while you were away, Roger, was the day the legislation passed. Everybody's going, "Hey, are we going to be able to smoke marijuana in Twin River?" Uh, they yeah, quickly, yeah, they quickly yeah. said no, but that's the type of expectations yeah. that marijuana smokers have, that right. you'll be able to go, no, you won't. In the privacy of your home is one thing, yeah. and certainly not operating a motor vehicle, right. as I think will be a, a big yeah, challenge for right. the police department. But no, you don't have the right to smoke it wherever you want. Mr. Public Safety Director, do you, you know, when you consider the background of the police chief coming from Providence and looking at the news stories that we cover from Providence... And then there's Woonsocket. Do you consider us uh, small potatoes in the terms of uh, of violence? Uh, Chicago, Detroit, New York, Providence, and then there's Woonsocket. Are we in another league all to ourselves? Yeah, and it's amazing because we live in such a um, mobile state, a small state, and um, we see a lot of those connections to Providence and. I'm thinking, you know, we do a good job of, of, of keeping in, you know, I'm not blowing my own horn here because I, I do understand that, um, you know, we have a good police force. We have a small area to cover, eight square miles. So maybe that in itself, say, hey, we're not going to do anything in Woonsocket. We have, in Providence, you have a, a lot more areas to hide and do your, your deviant acts of, of violence and stuff. So it's there. We have it. We have it, and we have a, um, a very strong um group of people that 
you know, frequent Woonsocket, frequent Providence, frequent Pawtucket, what have you. So, um, but we've been very fortunate with that. We see a lot of stories, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, whether you're looking at Providence or Boston, young people with firearms mm -hmm. in trouble, causing problems. How is Woonsocket faring as far as street guns are concerned? Are you seeing any uptick on the, our streets of Woonsocket? Yeah, I mean, uh, back when I was in my day, if we grabbed the one gun off somebody a year, now it's probably once a month we're grabbing a gun off somebody. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of guns out there, and it's not just here. Eugene Gillette is with us. We're shifting to the fire department and the EMS uh, department, same same unit. Um, so tell me, what is the difference between uh, fire and EMS uh, 15 years ago and now? Or are they pretty similar um, types of uh, incident calls? Um, yeah, for the most part. You know, our fire department, one, EMS and fire were almost separate. I mean, you didn't really have to be an EMT to become a fireman years ago. Now we have everybody's trained up. Um, if you're on an engine, you're on a ladder. Everybody, everybody has EMT certification. So, um, but yeah, that, you know, from what I've seen and from what I've heard, you know, there's, there's a, a big amount of change. I mean, we we respond to a lot of different things um, that probably wouldn't respond to years ago, and uh, out, out of out of caution, out of uh, you know, legal issues that, that have have arisen because uh, if we didn't respond to something. But, you know, one, one other mandate that just recently came down is that we have to provide 30 minutes of CPR on any um, person before we transport. So, you know, a lot of people say, why, do, why does an engine and a, a rescue go to uh, a medical call? Well, the engine has medical um, equipment on, the, uh, on their trucks, and they also provide that manpower for, you know, 30 minutes CPR if that's needed. I'm going to go over that statistic just to make sure I understood it. Somebody who is in cardiac arrest, uh, mm -hmm. or, or 30 minutes of of CPR before transport. How does that work out? Does it? Um, do you bring people back, or is that just something you just got to follow, even though maybe it's too late? Or this? <laughs> I guess that's a tricky question. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, I do apologize for that, but you're here. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it, it depends on, on, you know, if somebody might recover in five minutes of CPR, so then they're transported. But, you know, there are other times where you, you go to the scene and um, the person's already deceased. We're not going to, you know, perform CPR on them. And they have the idea, you know, if there's uh, certain factors that show that the person is deceased, we, you know, wouldn't have CPR. But, yeah, um, you know, I, I, I got to really get back on the chief on that as far as, mm -hmm. you know, uh, statistically, how much you know? How what is the average? You know, is it 15 minutes before we transport, or you know? So that'd be interesting. Yeah. When we think of the fire department, we think of uh, of houses or maybe retail operations, but um, there are a number of businesses, I guess, in the industrial park and scattered throughout the city, where uh, emergency calls are much more. Um, complicated because of uh, hazardous conditions or gas or whatever or chemicals or whatever may be at that that business mm -hmm. and i know that um we're prepared for that because uh, mm -hmm. I've, I've heard about it before yeah and yeah so our fire marshals uh you know anytime you there's a occupancy permit you know they have to go through fire protocol and uh distinguish what chemicals they have at certain locations and uh, they have a tracking system for that and uh, they update it uh, regularly and uh, you know we had a situation at a uh, kind of a, I don't know, a rundown building <laughs> where you know it really took um, you know a whole complement of f uh, fire personnel to distinguish what, what the issue was there because the owner wasn't uh, in compliance on a lot of things that he's supposed to be doing so uh, there was there was some action there that we had to um, you know uh, find that business or close that business. So trouble businesses. There used to be a time when we were reporting about fights and incidents at bars uh, in the uh, city, uh, whether it's Fairmount District or other districts of the city. And what I'm noticing as a layman is that when a bar applies for a license 
or um, uh, the, are you notified as a public safety director to um, or renewal of license? Are you are you notified to to check into their police record, or how do you keep track? of letting the council know, since they're the Board of License Commissioners, mm-hmm. that this is a troubled business. We had one here in the city, I can mm-hmm. think of, uh, on Cass Avenue. Uh, but um, uh, tell me how that process works. So if it's a new business, uh, they have a, a license, uh, actually, an, excuse me, an application to fill out. Uh, we do a BCI check on, on the owners. Um, and there, as far as going forward, there's also a uh, renewal process that... We keep in contact with um, the solicitor and uh, Madam Clerk, um, Christina Duat, as far as, uh, you know, keeping up with the information as far as license requirements. So that in, in part of that is another BCI check. Um, but, you know, we live in a very small city. Everybody knows everybody. Our police department, if there are any incidents at businesses, um, they submit a report. Um, to the chief, chief in turn sends it to me, and uh, we we can we have a conversation with the city solicitor um, if this needs to be brought to a, a work session or to our our, um, our governing uh, body for alcohol, uh, which is the city council. And then equipment. Do we have um, what I would call? Well, you have to give me an A, B, or C or D. Does the um, does the fire department have um, modern equipment uh, to do the job and? Does the police department have it, too? Uh, how, how are we doing on mm-hmm. equipment? Um? So as far as the fire department, um, when I first, both the fire and police department, when I first got here back in 2013, I mean, obviously we were coming off a, a real financial time for not just us, but the nation. Um, we really built up that that our system uh, of, of replacement vehicles. Initial costs to get back into that in 2013 was was substantial but we kind of worked it out where we have a replacement program um so our, our fire department is you know we have four engines um that 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 are they put on a lot of miles i mean they'll have to be we try to get one a year um so that they're they're, they're all in pretty decent shape uh, we have two um ladders and uh, three um we have three uh, rescues but uh, with that said we also have spears because right now, if we send something out for repairs with parts and everything else being uh, delayed, it's it's not months anymore. It's almost it's, it's months versus you know weeks. So it, it, you know it's really long time when we have something on a service. The police department, um, we do have uh, a replacement program, and uh, I feel very confident we have a great fleet. Mutual aid. I was noticing the statistics. Um uh, they're not lopsided. It seems like um, uh, you help them and they help help you. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, is that a, f- a fair assessment of mutual aid and does it work out uh, uh, okay? Yeah, yeah. No, and I think it does, especially in the fire service. I mean, um, you know, they had, even if it's a big fire, from what I understand, like in Newport, they had that large hotel fire. So what they do is like a, a bumping system. So when Sockett will send somebody over to Cumberland, Cumberland will send somebody uh, in their station so they can cover it. So it moves right down to the state. So uh, every every department's covered um, in that in that region. So it works out well. But our rescue calls uh, definitely. Uh, you know, we have good thing we have a, a hospital in the city. Um, really saves us a lot of time. But Blackstone, uh, North Midfield, we help them all out. Uh, drugs from opioids. Down. What kind of a drug problem do you sense as uh, public uh, safety directors, starting with the worst, uh, right down to, um, and I'm looking at some of the other things like uh, driving under the influence. I consider that drug. So mm-hmm. driving under the influence of marijuana, your new problem coming up. Right. Um, actually, it's an old problem, just <laughs> yeah. uh, under a different law. Tell me about the drug problem. Yeah, we have so many different types of drugs. Before it was, you know, marijuana, cocaine, and heroin. You know, now it's fentanyl has kind of created a whole different uh, perspective. Um, you know, pills are, are definitely a problem, which are mixed with, uh, which are mixed with uh, fentanyl. So, yeah. like meth has made its way up yeah, there as meth well. Meth is up, yeah. And that that is probably one of the worst. And they are, they're all bad, but meth, meth is terrible. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. So, and it's just... Um, it really, it's a major problem. The morale of the police department is something I'm just curious about. It's been a tough year, two years across the country. 
police departments, citizens, the defunding movement, which thankfully hasn't gained traction here in one socket. Mm -hmm. Just curious with all that that's occurred, how's the morale of the rank and file of, of the uh, police and fire departments? And uh, is there any uh, contention within the uh, community towards them? And that's, that's arrived. And do they know generally that? We support them. We support well, them. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, with all the negative, I mean, there's a lot of positive, too. And, you know, and on a local basis here, you know, everywhere I go, uh, and I know the officers in the fire department can, can attest to this, is that, you know, hey, we appreciate you guys. So a lot of this is like national noise to me. It's really just, you know, they just hop on it, and there might be a small group. Um, you know, we had a small group here in, in the city of Winsocket, and there's still kind of active but it's a small group it's a small group and i, I think um you know the, the national media really likes to boast on this and uh, say say it's an issue but I, I think you know truthfully i think it's helped us a bit um you know people people who do like to recognize the police and who like the police and are law-abiding citizens uh, are very and that's that's a lot of people here in the city of socket and a couple of our news stories that we deal with uh, all year long in providence uh, what about those bikes on the street? Is that an issue in Woonsocket? And what about gangs on the street? Is that an issue in Woonsocket? Because we we read about it all the time. Um, and Providence is 13 miles away. I mean, this is not Woonsocket to New York City. We're talking about a major crime area against a small community. Yeah, as far as the uh, small bikes, uh, it, it, it was a bigger problem last year. Uh, I think we've kind of... Uh, Knocked, knocked on the door. I mean, they were just pulling kids over the other night. Some of them we pull over and they're saying, oh, we didn't know it was illegal. I mean, their parents mustn't tell them this. I, I don't know. And I thought I could ride on the sidewalk or whatever. So some of them are, are you know, the other ones are just, uh, you know, they, they, we don't chase them, obviously. But, you know, we try to find a way to uh, identify them. And it's good that we have a small community where a lot of a lot of officers know everybody and hey who's that kid in the red in the red shirt and you know we get the information on that motorcycle so we'll just go to the house and arrest them as far as gangs i really don't you know uh, you know it's not i can't say it's not an issue it's more on the younger side and i think the younger kids in, in the schools kind of want to um gravitate to something and normally they're very loosely organized um, but they, they're still, those loosely organized can be dangerous. So um, we definitely have an eye on that. But uh, say it's a substan substantial problem, I, I would say no. I know we got limited time left, but uh, you mentioned schools, and I think it's such a big topic, it's worth revisiting a little bit. Uh, you mentioned we have four resource officers in schools. Um, so the resource officers in a school there, obviously, for protection and comfort of the students as well, they do carry firearms when they are uh, working the school day? Oh, yeah, they're fully uniformed. Um Yes, uh, the carry firearms. And with protocols being in question of the latest Texas shooting um, in Monsocket, uh, do you have uh, meetings with the teachers and faculties? What's expected when law enforcement arrives on the scene? When do they enter? God forbid, should something happen here? Are those things with the school administration and faculty discussed in advance with what's happening around the country? Yeah, the school um, teachers and administration, they, they have um, kind of their I wouldn't say own training, but they have a training for active shooter um, and what to do and to lock down. And so we're very well versed in what what they're doing, right? Um, and then our role is to um, take out the threat. So, um, but also, you know, like I told, uh, I explained on Larry's show last um, last Saturday, is that just before that shooting, we're training at the old middle school with fire and police on active shooter, getting that. Uh, EMS support in to uh, it might be just a small section of school that you have in control at this point but we, we want to get EMS there as quickly as we can so we have protocols in place and we're always in contact with the school administration we've had meetings on some recent violence and fighting and stuff like that um, so um, to answer your question, yes, uh, we, we work in conjunction with them. I'm sure there's a uh, locked door policy. The buildings are pretty well secured throughout the day. Sure, yeah. And, uh, you know, we have our horses, and, uh, they again, they work with the faculty on that and to make sure, uh, you know, they're following protocol. And just like every, every other rule, you know, until something bad happens, you know, there might be some people laxing in that and so we got to keep on that but uh yeah we do have that some of the categories mentioned in the report um embezzlement 
uh, counterfeiting, forgery, um, identity theft, uh, and things like that. I get that must be assigned to the detective division, uh, but um, there's um, a lot of different categories of people breaking the law that you guys have to uh, respond to. Those are a few. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I was looking at impersonation, um, you know, when I was reviewing this, and I was, I was like, you know, a lot of people think impersonating an officer. So I was trying to figure out some questions that you might ask on, on this. So impersonation is, um, you know, not only impersonating a police officer, it's also impersonating a, um, you know, it could be a, an official, a building official, you know, somebody knocking on your door and saying, hey, I want, you know, so that's kind of a fraud. You know, I want to get into your house. I'd like to look at your uh, you have heater or something, and then you steal something. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of different, uh, uh, especially with fraud. Here comes the big one of the day. Uh, how are you protecting my Amazon delivery packages? Uh, you know, <laughs> do you have a lot of those being stolen? Uh, yours, we specifically <laughs> check with drones now. No, just kidding. <laughs> That's okay with me. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, it's actually, you know, it, 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 it goes pretty good. I mean, I think the thing is, too, people don't really, I, we really don't know. I, people don't report it because they can call Amazon and say, hey, my package wasn't delivered. And they're going to deliver another one. So um, so it's not a big issue then. Uh, that's been a big issue. Yeah, you made it easy for a bit. Yeah, yeah, that you did. Final question? Uh, and, and scams, another thing. We've been dealing with some elder scams, uh, whether by email or contact. Very difficult to prosecute and pursue these sorts of frauds, isn't it? Yeah, it's terrible. It really is. I mean, it's... You know, it goes international, as everybody knows. And it's happened to me. I, I didn't get scammed, but, I mean, you get those robocalls and, you know, it's like, uh, you know, car insurance and what have you. So. And your car warranty. I hope it's up to date. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Hey, Gino, thanks a lot for being with us. Right. Uh, did we miss anything that uh, we should have been covered? Uh, you know, you prepare for the visit and you say, I know uh, this maybe guy. Maybe I'll have to come back and yeah. I think. Uh, this guy's yeah. going to ask me this question and I didn't ask it. <laughs> hey, thanks again, uh, for uh, dropping by, very anytime, really, anytime. Thank you. Okay, and thank you, uh, yeah, Jeff, for uh, <laughs> for your participation, Mr. Gamash. We appreciate that. All right, and that's it for our show. We'll see you tomorrow. This has been WNRI's Upfront, presented weekday mornings at 8 a.m. Upfront is a regular public affairs presentation of News Talk 1380 WNRI Woonsocket. Yeah.